Welcome to the Courageous Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Carolyn Zanetti. Each episode, we meet thought leaders, game changers, and entrepreneurs sharing their mindset, embodiment rituals, and success secrets so you can amplify your health, wealth, relationships, and live your ultimate vision. Welcome back to our Courageous Leaders podcast. Today, I'm super excited to share the journey of Ava Irani. So Ava is a functional spirituality practitioner. She's created this methodology. She is a yoga teacher, meditation teacher. I actually met her at a silent retreat down in Denmark in Western Australia. She hosts these incredible uh, retreats regularly so we can really connect with ourselves, come back to presence, come back to our heart. I really love what she stands for. So we're going to hear a little bit about her journey. Her background is being a high achiever, which I'm sure many of us can relate to. And now she's uh, evolved into service, into Uh, I would say a bit more slower pace, but uh, fully integrated and focusing on love, peace, joy, doing what lights her up and makes her feel alive and absolutely love her journey. So can't wait to hear. Thank you so much, Ava, for joining us. Thanks, Carolyn. It's so nice to hear your little reflection of me because, you know, we've been on silent retreat together had your eyes closed and you've been in your own space and to I kind of feel really met by your <laughs> reflection of me like you were really listening to mm-hmm. my journey and um, yeah thanks thanks for that intro thank you so I really do want to first of all acknowledge you as a leader in your space I have you know got a wealth of experience in my background I've been to incredible retreats all over the world and I really was like wow this skills fucking lit embodied like you you were so relaxed you know like I just love that it wasn't your show it was just you guiding us home to ourselves and I think it sometimes in this world can be a little bit of makes us feel good within by doing this work but I really acknowledge like your presence and it was just holding space and a real gift for all of us so yes thank you yeah, it's a it's a delicate balance because it is my show. Everything is my way. It's my schedule. It's my teaching. It's my philosophy, <laughs> my experience, you know. But there's very sensitive and important dynamics at play when there is someone who is sitting at the front facing everyone else who is quiet and faced the other way. So... You know, I'm not inauthentic and try to downplay, you know, the significance or like, I think that's something that people appreciate a lot is that there's, there is a lot of structure. So I'm not, you know, abnegating my power and saying everyone is up to do their absolute, their own journey and stuff like that. It's like, no, you come here to learn a certain way and a a certain method and to receive a, a very special and specific transmission. But, you know, there is a sensitivity to that power differential because I'm not downplaying it, but I'm being, I'm being really sensitive that, yeah, it's not, 
exacerbating people's trauma and self-worth issues. And there's so much educational trauma Mm. that is present, you know, inside of all of us, but then gets triggered in very unconscious ways in, you know, a retreat or any kind of course that, of course, some teachers totally play off of. But even some of the really good, authentic teachers may not be aware of that. So you kind of have to, yeah, so that's nice that you picked up on that. I do get that comment. We'll go deeper into like some of the teachings and that at the retreat and the experience and like why you're so passionate about this. First of all, I want to hear a bit about your journey of what and also what functional spirituality means to you. Like how did you go down this path? What led to you? really studying the arts of yoga, meditation, and your inward experience? You know, the whole journey question, it could go many ways. But um, yeah, I could, I could give a little bit of a timeline. I first got into Bikram yoga when I was quite young, maybe when I was eight, uh, 19, when I was living in Sydney. But, you know, I was just, I got enthralled with this exercise that really favored slim, tiny bodies, you know, <laughs> that was like little Indian kids' bodies. So I got, you know, really wrapped up in that. But I guess a seed had been planted and maybe a seed had been planted from even before that, because the idea of meditation and, enlight- and enlightenment was always something that was attractive to me. You know, the idea of paranormal powers and a levitating yogi was always something attractive. So I guess that was always always a seed. But yeah, I got into yoga for the fitness side. But then eventually my path kind of turned and I, I started following spiritual teachers. And I realized, okay, there's these spiritual teacher figures who have accumulated a lot of knowledge. And if you kind of sit at their feet and um, gain their favor, you can, you know, get close to them and get as much as they can offer kind of thing. So I started following different spiritual teachers Buddhist. I ended up in Thailand at Agama Yoga School, which is a kind of neo-tantra, classical tantra, um, new age spirituality and classical hatha yoga blend. So lots of really rich kind of tradition there and also Hridaya yoga. So I ended up at these yoga schools, but so one was in Thailand and one was in Mexico. They did have a branch in India as well. I was there a little bit, but yeah, I was living in these communities, lots of transformational experiences, but I guess the kind of flavor through my path has, even though I was quite young and really threw myself into all of the weird shit that, you know, you were recommended to do. I really threw myself into all of it um, with a naivety and stuff, but I have a skeptic lens, you know, I have a skeptic bent and I look at things through a very critical philosophical lens and that kind of, it eased off a little bit as I kind of just got sucked up into the spiritual path, but it started to come back in more as I started to kind of gain my own in the path. And I wasn't just teaching what my teachers taught. I was teaching what I had started to actually feel and experience. I kind of developed into a teacher in my own right. And as that happened, I started to see that, fuck, like 85, 90% of what I had been taught was so diluted and was so archaic and um, dogmatic, filled with distractions, not out of any malice, but just because we just need something better. You know, like we obviously, we live in an incredible world. We learn from our parents, but we now know that there's there's got to be a different way. And the way things are going is actually quite toxic. 
So I actually found that in the spiritual practice and had, um, I mean, you mentioned that I was a high achiever. Actually, you know, basically I was just an overdoer and uh, mixed with, you know, a certain degree of intelligence and stuff, you know, could I guess be called high achiever, but yeah, was just overworked and, and really out of touch with myself and experienced a, a pretty significant burnout um, back in 2018, 2019, and it kind of got a little bit worse. And then it got, you know, incredibly better. So through the period of getting burnt out after being such a diligent and even a prominent teacher, both back here in Australia and also back in the schools that I was teaching at, I was known for being, you know, one of the um, stronger practitioners. And I really did practice so much and have been on, you know, million silent retreats and done a million hours of yoga practice, you know, in my huts or whatever. And then I had a breakdown and I was like, I need to really get to the bottom of this. So out of that, you know, breakdown, like my passion was still there. And I still, I had a lot that I had cultivated, which was like a kind of awareness, um, you know, on retreat, we speak about like that non-dual awareness. So that kind of disembodied overarching awareness and, and um, completeness and lack of preference kind of thing. So I kind of had that watching the process of my PTSD and trauma breakdown that I had. And I was like, I have to figure out every single thing about this as well. So having understood the trauma pieces and why my spiritual practice didn't work and how it in many ways kind of set me up for that breakdown. And then also knowing all of the amazing things I'd gathered over the past for the past 10 years, that together came to be functional spirituality. And functional just means that, like, it's quite nonspecific. It just means that whatever your intention is, whatever you most desire, whatever your goal and result is that you're trying to get, your approach lines up with that, then it's functional. Because, you know, nothing is inherently dysfunctional or inherently functional, but in relationship to a certain result, it is. Um, so that for me is like a little bit of what my path in functional spirituality. I love, I love it, love it, love it. Um, I feel what I love is like you had your own experience and you didn't read it from a textbook. Like lived experience is how we can have empathy for clients and stuff because you've been on the path, like you've learned lots and then you've seen what actually feels aligned for you to share. And I love that it's a holistic approach, like body, mind, heart, soul, not just yoga. It's not just meditation. It's not just mindset. It's an embodied approach, which I really, really love. And I'm fascinated to learn more from you too. I would love to know meditation and yoga has been huge, I believe, in your experience. Like, Tell us a little bit about how meditation yoga has impacted your life. You own the Spandis School of Yoga. Like it really is a big part of your life. You teach regularly meditation sessions. Your podcast is all about serving and giving practices for us. So So your question is, how has it impacted my life? Yes. Um, It's an interesting question. So like I'm a philosopher at heart, so I have to like, you know, I'm a bit meta and like have to unpack the question as well. And like, go wherever you want. That's cool. I know you give me full permission. I feel just so met in this space right now. 
Oh yeah, totally. And, and to be honest, like meditation isn't my strength. So I'm open to like hearing your interpretation and why, why are you so passionate about mm-hmm. meditation and like really embodying these practices? Okay. Well that right there is a question that can very easily answer. You know, when I first did my, like I told you, I got into yoga and the hot yoga and stuff. Like there was little benefits here and there, but when I did my very first silent meditation retreat in this particular style that is informs my style as well. So the Herdaya silent retreat, um, 10 day silent retreat, kind of a bit of a newbie, but had been, you know, doing yoga and stuff, but we had these really long meditations. It was quite ascetic, quite dry, but we were just dropping into the heart space and into this like universal being and to just be so fully met by the teaching. So what the teacher was saying and what I was experiencing was the exact same thing. But what I was experiencing was so incredibly profound and wordless and it was in the heart and it was just so devotional and divine and evident that it also did have therapeutic qualities. Although, you know, I only know now how it does and how it doesn't and stuff like that. But yeah, that for me was why I love meditation. I'm obsessed with that now. I'm obsessed with that transcendent being and our essential nature and stuff as you know, you probably hear come through in the um, retreats. And so for the next 10 years after that, I, I dedicated myself and I devoted myself to that essence nature. But then I realized later that that's not the whole picture. Like you said, there was an embodiment piece missing and all of the things that, you know, that you're interested, there was a leadership piece. I was running a business, but didn't studying leadership, but I didn't, there's many missing pieces there, the trauma, the leadership, you know, the, the capacity and to be able to relate that was all missing. Um, and the healing was, it was disembodied and there was a little bit of embodiment, but yeah, it was, it was a top down approach. And now I've kind of cultivated that bottom up approach let can we go there i think this is why at the retreat i really resonated with your message because in my past there's a lot of top down approach a lot of mindset shift your belief patterns in my experience i believe like healing your nervous system you know the vagus nerve is you know 80 neurons going to your brain and 10 you know 10 or 20 down right? So why is it we're just focusing on mindset when it is a full embodied approach to feel safe, to feel connected? And uh, you gave trainings on this, like you shared about the bottom-up approach as well as the top-down. And I was like, oh, she speaks my language, like the connection, the sensations, and like why this is so important to expand our capacity to receive and all this What would you like to share about your experience and understanding about the bottom-up, top-down approach? Like what was your experience to understand that? There was a couple, like for me, a huge, I mean, I've got a couple of big embodiment, you know, milestones in, in my experience. To be honest, they're just kind of coming to me now. Like one of them was definitely erotic movement. Mm-hmm. an erotic dance. So that was a very, you know, surprising and very impactful piece for me personally was sensual movement through my body and witnessing that in myself. Mm-hmm. Yin yoga was huge. So that slow restorative body-based, um, you know, meditative yoga kind of practice. 
then back to the sensuality as well, like also being in relationship and making love with a partner in a safe space and like being in a monogamous relationship where we could cultivate different levels of embodiment and, and, and things like that. So there, there's definitely been a lot of milestones. Then the trauma piece was, a, you know, a big milestone for me. So in terms of like, exactly like you said, if you want to be able to receive, but you also want to support people, you need the capacity for it. And in order to increase our capacity, we need to heal our nervous system. And in order to heal our nervous system, we need both bottom up and top down approaches. And what we need is we need to know how both of those work. So we need to know how bottom up works theoretically and experientially enough that we can pick up a tool whenever we can do it when we need to. So that's all you need to do. You don't need a million top down tools. You don't need a million bottom up tools. You don't need to be the best at them. Yes. But you need to have you need to have practiced both parts enough so that you can cognitively reflect and process and heal like through your mind and emotions in some way. And also that you can do that in your body, like you said, feeling the sensations and letting energy move through and complete itself in your body and emotions in some way because the emotions are kind of like both, but because at any one point, your body is going to need one of those approaches. And if all you have is mindset work, you will actually be re-traumatizing your body. If like all your body needs is the exact thing that it needs in that moment. So you need to have access to bottom up and top down approaches and experience of that. And then you also, then you need to apply them in accordance to what your body needs. So you need to be able to listen to your body. And it, it, that's like the word I love for that is attunement, like a mix of that curiosity and presence and like that wisdom as well. You know, it's like that adult presence that is so incredibly healing if it shows up at the right time to support and you know, take care of you. I love that you shared that it's simple practices and attunement. I feel like with trauma and one of the big things is we are very disconnected from our body and from feeling like, you know, energy and motion is emotion. And often it's, well, okay, I'll talk from my experience. It's too painful to feel. So you disconnect, disassociate and just do, right? So do you feel like it's sometimes a practice of coming back to like being able to feel the sensations in our body after the breath, the dance, the yin, the different practices. Because what I feel is like in the world today, half the problem is we're disconnected with, you know, mm. it's, it's not the mind, body, heart, soul connection. And I'm speaking from my own personal experience. Yeah. I mean, that's overwhelmingly represented in the literature and the, you know, in the whole field of that. So it, it's pretty spot on. And um, I think that is one of the best times to feel and to feel connected is after movement. Mm-hmm. So after you have cultivated a practice, probably a bottom up approach to get the energy moving, then to kind of slow down and feel that's why, you know, total normies, um, in the world, love yoga practice because you get to kind of lay down at the end. Mm. Um, yeah, there's you have to hit it from both sides, even the bottom up approach from the top and from the bottom. So there's a theoretical understanding of how it works, and then there's mm. a trying of it. 
And eventually, because like one of the things that I say that was back to that original question you asked, and I said, I need to unpack it. It's like every practice you have, like yoga and meditation, you don't just pick it up and use it perfectly right away. You actually have to cultivate it. So the way the practice works also changes as well as its effect on you. So it's like you don't just, just because you have a hammer or, you know, you have a guided meditation recording, just because you press play doesn't mean you're automatically going to meditate. You also have to get better at doing the practice. The way we use tools is, and meditation, spiritual tools is much more nuanced and if people understand that, they'll be less likely to be, you know, demotivated and judge themselves when it's not working because every failed attempt is your practice. I think that's really powerful in meditation because, I mean, I used to think that, yeah, we just meditate. And if we don't, like, if we have these thoughts, you can't meditate. And like, it's so beautiful to have the permission to like witness the thoughts I, one of my favorite practices from your retreat was the open heart meditation. Like I've been to a few different silent retreats and meditation retreats, and I still felt very much in my head. And I loved it. There was like some variety of different meditations, like breathing into the fire in our chest and the open heart meditation. And I was like, it was like a pleasurable meditation retreat rather than like a how many days have we got left? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's very luxurious. Lots of resting. Uh, what is like some of your like favorite meditation practices? I mean, seeing there's so many different. Well, I mean, the first thing just for me to be, you know, the way I am, the first thing I think is like, it just depends, you know, depending on the context and what I most need a certain, you know, so I have like all of them are my favorite at a certain time. Mm. Um, I love a love meditation. Mm, um, so incredibly powerful. And so the main type of meditations I do are always kind of like embodied in the heart space and in this kind of in the being. And yeah, my, my favorites, I guess, would be ones that really connect to the absolute depth of being um, and that, you know, essential space inside of ourselves, as well as you know, compassionately allow material to move through. So that's, that's probably my favorite. Love it. Love how you're just so you and like focusing the question in like your roundabout way. Love it. Um, so I, something I loved from the retreat, uh, I'd learned this practice before, but I really hadn't gone deep, but what helped me so much was the rain technique. Um, how have you enjoyed rain? Do you want to share do, with the audience a little bit about the rain technique? Yeah, um, it's just such a good technique. So this is just adapted from Tara Brock's work and she's taken it from a Buddhist, um, like a compassion meditation. But with her kind of psychologist twist, she, you know, um, gives a lot of really good context to, to the acronym. So R-A-I-N. And um, R is recognize and A is allow. So it's really about becoming aware of your edges. And then instead of immediately in the unconscious kind of sympathetic state, 
when we recognize a challenge unconsciously or consciously, we unconsciously resist it, want to change it, judge it, blame others, um, you know, blame ourselves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's just what happens when there's an edge, you know? So it's, it's a reprogramming of that. So when you, re- you recognize the edge and you really become aware of it, become present and in your body, but then you allow it to be there. So you kind of soften around that edge. And then you, un- you kind of go a little bit deeper and you do investigate and nurture so pretty much the same process, like a bit more awareness, a bit more inquiry, and then more softness and nurturing around it. Is that how you experienced it? Yes. And also it helped my brain understand the connection as well. Like the inquiry, it's like going back to the original cause of when these you know, beliefs and triggers came and like nurturing our inner child. Like I just feel it's a 360 approach to whatever troubles you're with at the moment and getting out of your head, but having that awareness and understanding plus feeling and allowing the emotions to rise. I think the word allow is perfect for how we allow the emotions to rise, to allow them to have a full loop, to be able to um, dissipate the energy to dissipate from our body and us to like, yeah, have that complete experience. Yeah. That was really like one of my most favorite experiences. Nice. Yeah. It's super powerful. And it's a, it's both a bottom up and a top down tool because you can use it to process, but you can also use it to hold space for, for the body and for things to mm-hmm. move. And, and it's, it's really like, it's like a framework for all the tools that we are using. Yeah. And that's the thing. And I was uh, hosting uh, my expansion program and I took the time off to go to the retreat and I came back and I shared brain, I shared the meditation. So like by me giving myself permission to be like, I need to do this. I'm going to silence. I came back and trusted myself and shared with our audience that everything we're going through is there to serve ourselves, serve others. And you're just so grateful to Silvana, our beautiful friend that encouraged me last minute to join this incredible getaway in Denmark. So yes, yes, Silvana. Yes, we love Silvana. Um, uh, so I have, I would love to briefly go into leadership and relationships and a little bit of shadow work. So I'll, I'll start with, you know, what is, what is leadership to you? Like what are some key components to really be able to lead ourselves? Well, I guess ourselves and others, there's two dynamics, isn't there? So, yeah, I guess I'd have to think about it even more about the difference between ourselves and others, because, you know, in the in the way I think about it, it's like leadership is just having, I guess it's a kind of care for inwardly and outwardly. And in order to really care for something, I guess you need to all right, you need to be, you need to feel safe. Mm. You know, like you don't care for something if you are in sympathetic or if you don't feel safe. Of course, leadership is caring for, for people, Um, And having a vision, you know, and directing and those things. But I feel like that care piece is so important. So leadership is so much about, there's such a responsibility to have have your capacity optimized, you know, 
it's not just about having heaps of capacity because you don't care about anyone's opinions or, you know, you've started to develop a really thick skin or maybe you've slowly risen to the top of some kind of hierarchy and you don't have to worry so much about what other people say about you. Like, it's not just having a capacity like that. It's about optimizing your capacity so you still do care Mm. Um, personally and you're also have the capacity to you know lead through challenges as well because when you lead through challenges it's not always care bears it's you know yeah amen yeah there's definitely challenges along the way and I I I've actually never heard of uh, leadership being shared that way about caring like absolutely because I agree that you, yeah, you've got to care about yourself and others making a difference because, you know, it, yeah, it does require that level of self-responsibility to be able to be embodied and with integrity and not just speaking and saying, you know, leadership of just do this, this is how it's done. It's like you're in the arena. You are taking the hits and going, fuck, what do I do? And you just do your best in that situation while um, taking on uh, as best you can the challenges from an embodied grounded space. And I, I agree the capacity is so, so important because that's how we, you know, build our resilience to be able to handle the, the triggers and the uncertainty and all the look at the world, you know, 2022, we're recording this and it's a little bit of chaos. So building that capacity allows us to create that emotional resilience within so we can handle the external. Yeah. I also don't think I've ever described it as caring before. So it's been a while since I've thought of the word, you know, uh, many years ago, I read all the books and the Robin Sharma and and things Mm -hmm. like that um, about, you know, anyone can be a leader, but you know, now that I think that answering it, like that care is, um, you know, one of the kind of pillars of leadership, it seems it's more of a feminine way of looking at it where a more maybe masculine way is that leadership is, you know, having a vision and, and, you know, directing, directing the community where what I've kind of seen lately is like, I'm definitely taking the hits and, you know, running, Spanda through these really disturbing mandates and things like that and all of the crazy shit that's going on and, and happens anyways when there's not um, COVID. So there's definitely the sense of like, I'm steering the ship and I'm, I'm taking the hits and, and things like that. But what I really felt over the past few years as my, compa- my capacity and resilience has like, you know, really gotten optimized is that the reason I'm the leader is because I have the most capacity to care. And the more I can care for people, the more things are going to go better for everyone. And we will we'll be guided to better solutions, mm. but it's not necessarily my vision and my solution. Although it is as well. My vision and my solution is a sense of harmony and stuff like that. So I guess I have my vision for myself. And just, but just by caring for the community, no matter who it is and in what context, 
paid or unpaid student or random, like whoever it is, just like having that sense of care is how I think I'm being a leader. Like I have the capacity to do that. So I'm the leader. (laughs) I I love that. I think that to have sustained leadership, you must have that self-care piece, like which is part of like building your capacity because, you know, as you know, it leads to burnout. You have to take time off you know so it is so important to have our foundation of self-care healthy practices leading with love and then I also like you said having the vision but also the greater vision like have I feel really amazing leaders have a purpose and a vision greater than themselves to really make a contribution with the world to really leave a legacy like they've they have got that expanded vision and people can feel it People want to be around, you know, people with a high purpose, high vision that aren't just like doing a job to make money kind of thing. Like, um, yeah, I, well, I love being around those incredible people that are coming together. And I feel right now, like 2020, 21, 22, like so many like leaders of birth, they've like come together, created incredible opportunities and ways to support our communities like so much. So um, really celebrating the leaders that are listening, the leaders that are here owning that. Yes, I believe we're all leaders, leaders of our own life, whether we choose to accept it or, or go bigger on our vision, et cetera. Like we're responsible for our lives and we have the responsibility to lead ourselves and make magic in the world. Totally. Like every, every single person, if, every single person has the responsibility to lead themselves and to care for others as well, to support them. Mm -hmm. Like when you're supporting someone, you're leading them, you know? So we can all do that. Like, yes, we live in a world where people own businesses and there's these hierarchies and that's how society has functioned for, you know, millennia. That's another, that's just another paradigm of leadership, but there's a very, there's a much more important one that's being neglected where we lead ourselves and we care for others. Amen. Amen. Okay. We could actually talk all day on that topic. Um, I, you are married to beautiful Jared. Uh, I met Jared through his kombucha business back in 2015. Yeah, we met at a vegan expo. I, you know, back in the day, I used to um, promote Kangen water ionizers. I still do, but that was how we met at like a little health expo. They were selling the kombucha and I made friends with um, the three of the guys and they're just all heart and so gorgeous. Tell us a little bit of, I love hearing people's love stories. Tell us a bit about your love story and how uh, some things that you feel have really allowed you to have this healthy, reciprocated, fuck yes relationship. Well, I'm happy to be speaking about this at a time where it is a love story because it's not always a love story. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's good to Um, bring the transparency of... Yeah, like it's not always a love story. It's been a very challenging relationship for us both. Um, We've had challenging lives. We've had a challenging relationship. You know, we've had a lot of challenges. Business owners, you know, as well. Exactly, you know, and um, over the past seven years of our business, you know, our business has started at the same time pretty much. And so there's been a lot of challenges. What are some things that helped, like, 
healthy boundaries, communication? Like what do you feel like allowed you to navigate the the fun, yeah. comfortable stuff? Communication, if it's not too cliche, is definitely the biggest one, but it's not just talking about stuff. Yes. Absolutely not. Um, so by that, I mean, not everything that you want to say should be said and not everything that needs to be said should be spoken to each other. So, you know, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of communication, um, development that I've done. And, um, I, I, there's always going to be someone who's more motivated in the areas of personal development and change than the other. And um, when Jared met me, he was begging for someone who was more motivated than him, basically, because all of his prior partners to me, he just felt like he was dragging them, you know? And then he met me who was like another level of motivated and he's always just been playing catch up since then pretty much. Um, so, you know, I've been the one that's more motivated, um, in another relationship, I may be less than that, but then that person's probably a psycho. Mm. Um, but yeah, so being more motivated, I have, you know, cultivated different understandings of communication styles. Like I love the ideas of nonviolent communication, um, and getting in touch and in tune with what, what you really need mm. um, instead of just saying what's on your mind because you're in a comfortable space and you absolutely need soothing. So you'll just blurt out whatever it is that you think I need. You always do this. I really need that. That's probably, if that could give you one takeaway from our relationship, it, it would be something along the lines of get better at finding out what you actually need mm -hmm. and then get better at finding out the best way of getting that need met. Because just always saying the same old crap over and over about what you don't like about your partner and like, you never support me or you're never this or you don't give me enough that it's not that especially if you just keep saying that that's just like you're just vomiting your own projections into the relationship space. Mm -hmm. um, so if you have to continue, like never, if you're continuously repeating a worry or a problem that you have in the same language, always, it's not a good idea. There may be a recurring um, issue, you know, or like there may be a dynamic there that, you know, persists, but if it's not being met or you're not satisfied, or it's not being resolved in the way that you want. It's your responsibility to find out how to get your own needs met. Two people with heaps of needs come to a relationship in order to get their needs met, but they don't identify what those needs are and they don't ask for them or support themselves in it. So then it's just too empty, you know, like these Empty cups. No. Empty cups. That's such a great way of putting it. Like coming together, trying to be like, please fill mine, please fill mine. It's like, but I need yeah. mine filled. But no one is saying, realizing that they're cups, you know, they think that they're um, spoons or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you're talking about needs because I, I didn't even know we we're allowed to ask for our needs to be met. Like in our conditioning of like growing up, you know, like, you're annoying. You don't, you're needy if you have needs to be met. And I feel like 
I mean, I don't have so much practice in the relationship arena. So I would love like your take on this of like, yes, we meet our own needs and then still from that space, ask for our needs to be met, like in the relationship container, like in the healthy interdependence. Yeah. I feel like the biggest way you can meet your own needs is getting more attuned or better at acknowledging them because you don't want to get stuck in a trap again where you're like, yeah, okay, I have my need for love or something like that. Or I've got a need for, you know, something superficial that isn't what it really is. So the best thing to do for your needs is to get better at at tuning in and listening to them because it's not just one little need. There's a whole, there's many pieces there for you. Um, And then study a a course about how to relate to your partner. Um, There are some people who do really good work and there's Mm. for how good some of the good people are, like the people that are average are actually not very good at at teaching the relationship work. Like there's some really good ones. And I've got a friend, um, Justine Baruch, maybe we can pop her link below. Yeah. Um, But she studied with a very famous teacher, Alison Armstrong. um, Mm -hmm. And they're both really, really amazing. And Justine's, you know, she's like us, like a coach and, you know, works in the different kind of ways we do with programs and stuff. So Mm -hmm. um, you could definitely do one of Justine's programs and it would change your life forever. Like the way it's just mind blowing how the way we communicate with our partners, especially in heterosexual relationships, it's just falling on deaf ears and it's just not working. So not only identifying your needs, but finding out better ways of communicating them would be. Love that. Yes. You can give me the link to add to the show notes. Uh, I also love the Gotham Institute, Gottman Institute. They're like the relationship. They like talk about sex, communication, every single um, dynamic. My, um, my coaches study there, they go into like attachment, meeting your needs. Like I actually love this stuff. Like I've studied relationship coaching. That's not what I specialize or lead in. I did it to understand how I, that's basically been a, yeah. a, a primal drive of my study has been how to have a healthy relationship with myself, cultivate that self-worth, understand how to have, how the fuck do we have healthy relationships? No one taught us how, like how to speak your truth, how to be with your emotions, how to have healthy boundaries and be okay with saying, Hey, can I have some space? Like I really, to me, I would like die inside to even express my feelings. So this has been such a journey and I feel it would help everybody relationship to like dive in a little bit more and understand like your core wounds, your attachments, how to express your needs so that you can have the love and compassion and understanding of your partner, which has a different upbringing to you and your way of being and creating that secure attachment. Like so, 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 so cool. And you, you guys have play, you just went in a camping trip weekend and like you've also done some tantra you're beautiful friends with Chantelle. like you have like I think you know different dynamics that cultivate that healthy lasting fun relationship when it does you know yeah. have challenges as well yeah and I mean just to give a bit of a reality check um Jared and I hadn't been camping or on any holiday since 
2020. So that's like almost two years. So Jared's really busy at work. Like there are, we. I think another powerful thing I've recognized is that there are phases, you know, there's phases where Jared absolutely cannot go and hates the thought of a holiday. He hates holidays at the moment. It's just not going to happen. So the- he's committed to his vision and his business. Um, yeah, you could say that. It's just a very busy time at work. So um, yeah, we're not always in play. That's a huge priority for me. So it's, you know, it is a priority for him and, and we make time for that. But yeah, there it's a very hard, it's a fine line to walk because sometimes your needs are not going to get met. Mm, and that's how we, you know, tune in with ourselves and how can you give yourself that love and touch and totally stuff and, that you would love from a partner, but like, how can you give it to yourself? In the Absolutely. Like, yeah. Do I, do I need them? To, if you also need them and you have needs and you need them to fill them, that's not going to be, it's a, it's a huge like, expectation yeah. and, and pressure. Yeah. But you know, there has to be an awareness of what your edges are and what your threshold is and what needs need to be met by you and by the other. So like you said, we're not taught all these things. So it's a very worthwhile thing to do to study relationships a lot. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then you get into the actual practice of them. And and I feel like we're talking about relationships and partnerships, but I feel it helps us understand our friendships. Like every relationship we have with anybody is a relationship. So it's, again, like listening and holding space for our friends and our clients and co-workers and all the rest of it as well. The exact same as the leadership we were just talking about. Yes. Love it. I will just give some short fire questions. So love for you to share a little bit about your morning ritual. Do you have like a little practice that you do that helps set you up for the day? Yeah. So I love a morning practice. I have a morning practice as many mornings as I can. I definitely always have a cup of warm water, usually like ginger in it. Um, but my morning practice is just whatever I feel to on that day. So today I actually ate banana bread and journaled about something. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise I love doing like a live stream yoga class. Um, love my meditations, love even going like for me, morning practice is even going for a walk. So it's anything that's intentional, mindful, nourishing. Beautiful. And what is, who is a favorite mentor that's helped you along your journey? I don't even know which one to throw out there, but I'll throw out Adi Ashanti. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and what about a favorite book or readings? You love poetry actually as well. Yes, I love Adi Ashanti's poetry book. I'll uh, get you to spell that for me later and we'll leave that in the notes because I don't know that word. (laughs) I first of all just want to say thank you so much for your time, your love and energy. I could talk to you all day. I'm so honoured to share your message with the world and really inspire our listeners. Um, Where can we find you uh, to connect on socials, your website? You can definitely follow us on socials. functional spirituality or Spunda school. Um, I'm sure you'll pop our website there in the bottom. And I'm actually running a free workshop on March 18th, which is called Confident Leader. Um, So just kind of bringing many of the pieces that we have shared today into like how to be a confident leader and increase that capacity. Um, And if 
if they miss it, then they can just watch a replay. That's okay as well. Yeah, I think that's a good way to keep in touch and definitely the podcast because on the podcast, there's pre-meditations and then also all of these kind of free trainings and talks and topics. Um, I answer some questions from Silent Retreat and I, on the way to Silent Retreat, listened to your podcast the whole time. It was so good. On the drive down to Denmark, it kept us well entertained. Um, So, yes, you will love Ava's podcast. Definitely download her podcast. Ava, before we finish, because we could totally talk all day, is there anything that you would love to share that we haven't talked about? And I would love for you to share Uh, What is the message you'd love to leave with our tribe of courageous leaders today? What's on your heart to share? I think maybe something that you you, um, gave words to in the podcast earlier, which is that actually um, the, the path to having a really rich but also easeful experience um, in no matter what work that you're doing is is very simple um so that's the words that you use and so it is simple there's a lot of distraction and dilution out there both for both out of like um you know malintent you know to maybe capitalize off of off of people and and stuff like that but also just because we've been looking for a way but now the way is getting way way clearer um, so find a path that is more simple, more clear, more functional, you know, and, and holistic, like you said as well. Mm, love that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for all of the surprise questions. <laughs> so much wisdom. Just asking you about your personal life. No biggie. Love it. Thank you for being so open uh, to share your wisdom and life experience. So look forward to connecting with you soon. And thank you to all our beautiful listeners. Yes, thanks for listening. Big love. Thank you so much for joining us on the Courageous Leaders podcast. I would love for you to subscribe to the show and leave an honest review on Apple Podcasts. This allows us to inspire and impact more people to lead with courage and live their ultimate vision. Thank you.